Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannato and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. Glad he's with us. Sitting across from the Crucial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. A top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. So I don't know if I'm should bring this up. It ha- I don't think I've heard it mentioned much. Do you know what happened 15 years ago today? Uh, yeah, Jeff mentioned it. So I guess someone uh, on Twitter maybe had referenced it. This oh, really? is the the Chalmers shot anniversary. Yeah, it is. April rem- seventh feels pretty late for the Final Four, doesn't it? Yeah, what's one of those national championship games? Like I was, I was in college. It was my senior year of college. I remember where I was for that shot. Like that was a. I know it's. A horrible memory for Memphis fans, but it is really a memorable national. Like you compare it to this year's national championship game, like that was an awesome game. Yeah, I don't know. It was such a. It was such a. I mean, obviously, Memphis. It was an awesome things down the stretch. It was an awesome ending. Ending, I guess, but like overtime was anticlimactic, and really, for the most part, like Memphis controlled the game a decent amount. Yeah, that's why it hurt so much. Huh? Mm-hmm. Well, and like the the that, just the amount of mistakes that were made down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, but it was. It's like I I really do think it's like one of those like one of those national championship games. You know what I mean? Like a uh, one that you'll remember. Like I don't know if this one, the UConn's uh, San Diego State national championship game. I don't know if like fifteen years from now, outside of UConn, they're going. Remember, this is the fifth. This is the fifteenth anniversary of that national championship game. Like I was trying to think about, 
was that any better than the Duke Butler game? Because Duke, well, Duke Butler had the, you know, I mean, ultimately. One of Coach K's worst coaching decisions of all time. Yeah, and Butler almost wins it on yeah. the half court shot by God, Hayward. That would have been awesome. <laughs> God, that would have been awesome. That's a memorable one, though. Like I remember, I remember that game solely because I remember Hayward almost making the half court shot. I don't remember Coach K's terrible decision. I forget what it is, but now that you're saying it, it, it he told uh, has jogged my memory. He told of it whoever was shooting free throws to miss. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember that. All I remember is he missed. I think Hayward's three would have shot. tied. Is that is that right? I think they were up three. Okay. Coach K says miss it on purpose. And so it would have gone to overtime. Well, God, what if? 15 years since the, you know, one of the great. Choose it, it. It was the end of one of the great Memphis basketball teams of all time. I would say, well, and maybe the greatest. I mean, I they think came the closest to winning a title. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem is like, A. I mean, the 72-73 team was, I mean. They'd go up against UCLA, so like. And, you know. Keith, it's it's tough with any you know, Keith Lee like that's you know. I also didn't see that one. Yeah, I saw I saw the every single. It, that's one why of I said one. Yeah. You know, like people can argue all they want. It's it's obviously one of the great teams. They should, by the way, honor that team at some point. I, they should have done it this year. Honestly, can I they know, get everybody in the same room again? They can get. They should be able to get enough. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe you look at it like if you can't get like you know they have to they have to. Mend some things, and maybe it'll happen once Derrick Rose's NBA career is over. But like, there's some fences that probably have to be mended there a little bit. There has to be, frankly, fences mended. I think like part of it is Calipari's still the coach of Kentucky, too. You know, well, I mean, that's, <laughs> like, a, that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, um, but I mean, I think there's some personal feelings that that need to be mended as well. Yeah. Well, um, 15th anniversary. Happy anniversary to that great team, even though it's uh, a day that some Memphis fans don't want to remember. Um, we got a big show. It's Friday, Jeffrey. We're going to talk about what are we going to be talking about coming out of the weekend. Um, feels like a... Uh, After we lifted everybody's spirits right yeah. there. Thanks. <laughs> nice job. Um, last weekend of the NBA season. Um, it's, you know, we're light on... I feel like we're light on games right now, Jeffrey, this weekend. Um, but uh, we will uh, break it down. From uh, the Grizzlies, certainly feels pers- like we're light on meaningful games, but there's going to be a lot to talk about coming yeah. out of the weekend. Agreed. So um, it's perfect for this segment. Uh, Two forty or so. Blake Topmeyer will join us. We'll talk some college football with him. It's spring football season. Uh, we'll uh, get the latest uh, on that from him. Three o'clock or so. We will get into the list. Um, big weekend for Memphis basketball. We mentioned the Tigers on the, in the transfer portal. A lot of visitors on campus. Over these, you know, starting yesterday and into the weekend, uh, we'll give you the latest there. Uh, the Masters is going on. Um, some big names moving up a, up the leaderboard. Live Golf might get its first major winner potentially. Um, so we'll give I mean, you a- It's certainly appearing that way currently. I mean, there's obviously a lot more golf to be played, but Brooks Kepka has, has very much uh, taken control of the tournament. And then we'll uh, we'll get you ready for tonight's uh, Grizzlies Bucks game, uh, seven o'clock right here on ninety two nine FM ESPN. Second to last game of the regular season appears. It's going to be a Grizzlies dress rehearsal. 
against the Bucks sitting everyone. Yes. Um, so uh, that should be Bucks. Bucks doing a solid. Potentially, yeah. yeah Budenholzer going to be willing to. Uh, did you did you see who two of the projected starters are for who the for Bucks? the Bucks? No. Javon Carter and Jay Crowder. Oh, nice. Nice little Grizzlies connection. Yeah, nice. Uh, but Grayson's not playing, so. Oh, that's a bummer. Well, um, we'll uh, we'll get you ready for that. But let's uh, let's talk about what we're going to be talking about coming out of the weekend. And a nice segue because are we going to be talking about the Grizzlies uh, having clinched second place in the Western Conference? They need to either just win tonight or win Sunday against Oklahoma City, or... Have a Kings loss. Have a Kings loss. It appears what the Kings are doing. They've listed a bunch of their guys as questionable. They're playing a late game tonight. They're going to see what happens with the Grizzlies. It feels like they're going to see what happens with the Grizzlies and then determine whether they sit guys. They play... Sacramento plays... um, They have Golden Golden State State one game, yeah. Golden State at 9 o'clock tonight, uh, whereas the Grizzlies... At seven o'clock, get the Bucks. So, um, I think. I mean, come on, we're, they're going to finish second, right? I suspect so. I they're going to win tonight, and I, then yeah. they're going to sit everyone against Oklahoma City on Sunday, and they're going to they're going to they're going to they're going to put the final nail in Lucas Coffin by giving. It Oklahoma seems like Kyrie C- might be doing that tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Kyrie, it's Kyrie. It's a must-win game. Yeah. Okay, my foot. I, I, I need some rest. I need my I need, foot. A, I need to rest up. My foot sore, um, <laughs> but um, I think they're going to be. Uh, I think they're going to be in second place, um, and that's uh, good. And it appears, if you look at the standings, because the other thing, the re- the real thing, I think we're going to be talking about coming out of Monday is okay. Who are they going to play? Because we're going. It's going to be down to yeah. two teams at that point, and the play and get. We're going to know by the end of Tuesday night who the Grizzlies are playing in the first round. If it started today, it'd be Lakers hosting New Orleans, hosting the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, it feels like that is probably the most likely scenario at this point. I believe mathematically that is. But the Clippers and Golden State are still just one game ahead of the Lakers and Pelicans, and Minnesota is one game behind the Lakers and the Pelicans. So th- those are your five possibilities. It's going to be Clippers, Golden State, Lakers, New Orleans, or Minnesota. That That's who the Grizzlies are playing. By Monday, we'll be down to two of those five. Three will be eliminated from the conversation. Matt Moore, hardwood par- uh, paroxysm, he had like, there's this scenario apparently where there could be like a at least a four or five-way tie. Oh, come on. Uh, we don't need that. This is when, God, okay. Uh, uh, God, Matt text, Matt tweets so much. Uh, <laughs> all right, so a four-way tie. Uh, if the Warriors go one and one, the Clippers go one and one, the Lakers go two and zero, oh, and the Pelicans go two and zero, oh, we have a four-way tie with forty-three wins. So who the hell gets it? Uh. Conference record? Pelicans would have the conference record tiebreaker over the Clippers. I can't believe he spent time like So in a four-way tie, are you ready out. for this? Pelicans would get the five. Oh, yeah. The Clippers would get the six. The Lakers would get the seven. And the Warriors would get the eight. Wow. 
Well, that would be confusing. And I believe the Warriors have to win a road game. That would be to well, avoid this. It would just be confusing. I don't think I want that, right? Would you rather have so Mike? No, that's, Lakers that's Warriors would, would literally. Would you rather have Lakers Pelicans in the play in or Lakers Warriors? Lakers Pelicans. Yeah, so at least you have a shot of the Pelicans winning. Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you go through these five possibilities, in my mind, I think New Orleans is the one you want the most out of the five possibilities at this point. Yes, the only question that I have though is, do you, are most fans looking at it in terms of competitive advantage, or are most fans looking at it in terms of what's the bigger series? The biggest series in the NBA would be against the Lakers. Ah, uh, Warriors. As a fan. Warriors. No, I think uh, the Lakers have been the single biggest draw all year on television. It's LeBron. There's yeah. no question. Okay, you think it'd be bigger than a Warriors Grizzly series given. From a tel- from a national, from the NBA, that's the biggest series. Okay. For that the Grizzlies could be in. Yeah. So do you think more people care about that, or do you think more people are. Thinking like, about as the path. A, like the way that I've always wired is I want the easiest path possible. Well, you know, it's 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 something I've been pondering for uh, ahead of this is like because like honestly like to write about a Lakers Grizzlies series or a Lakers Warriors series would be like just you know that stuff writes itself you know well, yeah. what I mean it'd be like like it'd be a lot of fun to cover you know what I mean like just the 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 sideshow aspect of it would be tremendous right not be worried about the pressure of covering such an event. No, no. I mean, hey, listen, Jeffrey, you got to rise to the moment. You know, like this is, you know, it's a great point. You know how like coaches always rising tide loses all the. If you're, you know, if you can't get get up for this game, I mean, what are you in this for? Yeah, that's the same thing with writing. Those fingers don't feel a little bit looser, a little more nimble. If you don't have a little tingle going through your body, I don't know why you got in this business. I mean, this is why you waste all those takes on your radio show (laughs) to get ready for these moments. Oh man, yeah. Everyone, it's like you know, you got to got to make sure the laptop's in good shape. Don't want that dying on. Remember you. your charger. Yeah, remember your charger. Um, but it, I, I, there's part of me that goes, yeah, I want the show. You know, like I want the show for the Grizzlies because, like, I do think it's like you you run into obviously if you're playing the Lakers or the Warriors, for instance, because I think those those are the to me. Those are my top two, if you will, and toughest possible opponents for the Grizzlies in the opening round. Yeah, I think I'd probably put, I'd probably put the Warriors ahead of the Lakers. I think the that. See, would, I think the Grizzlies match up pretty well with the with the Warriors. Yeah, but I think they're, they're not big. Yeah, I, I don't know. You're right. You're probably. I don't know. Earlier this week, I said Lakers too. I, I think you're. It's. I think the you other, can make an argument for correct. both. I think the other issue is, it feels like online. There's a lot of people that are like. Defending their take, the reality is you should beat. They're they're going to be the seven or eight seed. Yeah, and you should you're going to be favored and you should beat them. Yeah, but and I would say this though, I I do think in there's a bigger risk in playing the Lakers or the Warriors of losing in the first round. I also think like if the if the Grizzlies were to overcome like LeBron, a, a healthy LeBron, if they were to be the first team to knock out. LeBron and AD in a series, or they were the, the team, or they knocked out the Warriors, the defending champs. Like that is a pretty big feather in your cap, I think, it's as cert- a team. It'd be much significantly bigger deal than taking out the Timberwolves last year. Let's just say if there's ever a 
a documentary about the Grizzlies, that that series would get its a significant chunk of screen so time. So like I look at yeah, it I, in ter- I look at it in terms of like, yeah, it's a bigger risk, but also there's a bigger reward too. Like not all first round series wins are the same, you know, in terms of perception. And I think it would go like beating either the Warriors or the Lakers would, you know, would would a lot of people when they criticize these Grizzlies teams, they go, like, "What have they done? Like, what have they really done? What have they won?" And like that would, I think that would be something significant to take out LeBron and AD or to take out Golden State. Whereas if you beat the Pelicans without Zion, it's gonna be, it's gonna feel a lot like the Timberwolves series last year. You're just gonna go, "Yeah, they should have won that series." Well, it will definitely have the element that the Timberwolves series had last. Excuse me, had last year where. It felt like the Timberwolves series was very little to gain, but a whole lot to lose. Mm-hmm. And it would be this, honestly, a Timberwolves series this year would be similar, too. That would be, honestly, the pressure would be all on the Grizzlies in that series. Because, like, you beat them last yeah. year, you're the better team, um, and th- you'd have a lot of pressure there. I think you're also the you're missing one key part. Mm-hmm. You keep saying if the Grizzlies were to beat healthy A.D., and healthy LeBron. You don't think one of them's making it through the I'm series? I'm just going to say, if the Grizzlies get up 3-1, somebody's getting an ankle. <laughs> In the second half. Bron Bron will keep that story going. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. His foot, you know, you know, he'll walk yeah, in. Yeah, no, he's right. Get he'll walk foot. out from the elimination game in, like, a wheelchair. Yeah. He'll, like, come out in a wheelchair with his foot raised up. You know, like, uh, listen, once I, got through, once I got through the series, it just gave out. I, I gave it everything I could on this he, foot. Have someone carry him off to the LeBron James of foot doctors. <laughs> He's got to go back. Um, and he, th- we did not make fun of that enough. Saying the LeBron James of foot doctors is like one of the most <laughs> peak LeBron things of all time. It was pretty good. But then, and then, like, you know, if you beat the Clippers, you know, people are just going to say, like, oh, they didn't have Paul George. You know, like, I, I don't care at all. So you're, you're a path guy. Hundred percent. You're a path. You're a. You're I want a give me easy, the easiest path yeah. to the Western. Conference you know, when everyone finals. does the like, oh, I want my team to play them at full strength. I don't. I never do. I want everyone hurt. Yeah. See, it's a. It's it's a they question ask, I've been grappling. They with. don't ask how. They ask if. Yeah. Do you want the the path of least resistance, or do you want the path of most glory? Well, especially. I guess though, here would be the argument I would make for this year for more glory. I don't think this team's good enough to win the title. Would you would you agree with that? Um I I I believe this. I don't think old I, I don't I think they are in amongst a group of teams that are good enough to talk themselves into it, whether it's actually accurate or not. That's how I would phrase them. I I, I would say it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that they win a title, even though it would be very it feels very unlikely. I don't think they match up particularly well with Boston. Mm-hmm. I don't think – I don't know how they would do in a series against, against Milwaukee. Milwaukee. I don't – yeah. Frankly, I, you know – I, I don't guess, even, though, you can make the argument, though, hey, it's a seven-game series and Milwaukee's got injuries. Like, you know what I mean? Or Yeah, they, Chris Middleton's got so, questions. So who knows? Though. But the argument that I would make is I don't think that if the Grizzlies win a title, this doesn't feel like the year. Mm-hmm. Now, again, the way the playoffs play out, who knows? But if it's not going to be the year where it's your year, might maybe, well get, might maybe well start stack up some scalps. Yeah. 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 Be the team that knocks that being off said, the I Warriors. Don't care. Yeah, you don't care. At all. Like, to you, and I think you're right. 
what you will remember if they go out and beat the Pelicans and then beat the Kings and get to the Western Conference Finals and win, you know, say, let's say, lose to Phoenix in six in the Western Conference Finals. What you're going to remember is this team went further than any Grizzlies team ever. If Skip Bayless and Stephen A have taught me nothing in this life, it's this one thing, Mark. They don't ask, there's no context applied. It's just, did you get there? Mm-hmm. Like, in the end, Skip has killed LeBron because Jordan went 6-0 and in finals. Does Michael have one title that's as impressive to you as LeBron's Cleveland title against the Warriors? Like, meaningful, you mean? Like, where you sit there and you go, like, to me, LeBron's best title mm-hmm. is better than any of MJ's titles in terms of, like, holy hell, how do you do that? Well, what is, what is MJ's best title in your mind? Is it the first one where he beats Magic and the Lakers, even though it was like Magic and the Lakers at the tail, you know, kind of the tail end of Am the I Showtime Am I insane era? for thinking it's the Portland one? The 92? I don't think, I don't think, I get some people would do the Jazz, but I don't think Stockton and Malone were peak of their powers. Well, I think. It was ma- late stage Stockton Malone. Well, I think maybe the most impressive championship year, because it, it, if you take it in the totality is the like, Whatever it was, I think the one it was ninety five. Well, the, the dad, 90, dad died well, when he came back. The first year, uh, first 96. full year, he came back, and they go seventy two and ten, and they. I think they beat That's Seattle. The ninety six title. Yeah, they beat it went Seattle. Seattle uh, Utah, Utah. Maybe that one because because it you know taken in the context of it was like this record setting year. But are we in agreement? Neither of those teams is impressive of beating the Warriors when LeBron beat the Warriors. Yeah, and the narrative behind yeah. it of Cleveland. Yeah, I think that's. I think I would I could go with that. Yeah. But my whole point is it doesn't matter. Like that that's the thing. Like we've we've created this culture where all we care is how many times did you win? Mm-hmm. And so I'm all about let's just stack up playoff wins. Yeah. Yeah. Rack them and stack them, baby. Okay. Well, we'll we'll see. It'll be interesting. We'll be we'll be one step closer on Monday to finding out who the Grizzlies play. We'll uh, we'll talk more a little more about tonight's game against the Bucks next hour. All right. This is an interesting one, Jeffrey, and our our I did not realize this could be a possibility for what we're talking about until a couple hours ago. All right. So I'm sure you've heard what's been going on in what went on in Nashville last night at the state capitol, correct? How, how could you not? Um, you know the we all have. the Tennessee three, two of them were uh, ex- expelled from the uh, what is it the house. Um, including uh, a Memphis representative, Justin Pearson. I got to push back on this a little bit. Okay. Push back on what? If you don't get expelled, I don't think you can be part of the three. Uh, Oh, you I think it's Tennessee, too. (laughs) Tennessee, too. I don't – I'm sorry. Like, if you you escape charges, like, I just don't – Gloria Johnson, the Knoxville one, she doesn't get counted. No. The white white woman. Correct. uh, Who, you know – I think people are making too big of a deal at – you got to remember these East Tennessee GOP. Like the most offensive term to them is not the color of one's skin; it's the letter next to their name. It could be both. It, again, they're not it mutually exclusive, but they view one of the worst pejoratives out there is just Democrat. Well, I didn't think we were going to be talking about this. We we typically stay away from politics, mm-hmm. um, but there is an angle that matters to us. Yes, and well, and I'll give. I, I would just say my succinct thoughts on this are. They should not like. It's crazy that these these uh, duly elected officials were <laughs> expelled from the house. Um, they should have reprimanded them and moved on. Yes, I agree. Um, but Tammy Sawyer, the uh, former 
uh, activist turned Shelby County I commissioner. I don't think you ever stopped being yeah, an that's activist. True. No, and and to that point, what she uh, put out there today um, is really interesting. So, and it relates to sports in Memphis. Um, this is what Tammy. So it, it stems from Roland Martin's tweet. He tweeted out, "Hey, Memphis is the Democrat at Mayor Memphis Jim Strickland standing in support of the Tennessee Three, especially Justin Pearson. Strickland must publicly come out and support the Shelby County commissioners appointing Pearson to the vacant seat seat today." And so, for background, he, though he got expelled, the the Shelby County commissioners can then appoint him back, correct, into and the house. He can't get tried. Like essentially, he'd have immunity. Yeah, like he um, can't get expelled again. So, and this is what Tammy Sawyer tweeted over, quote tweeted that Roland Martin tweet and said this, word on the street is that the mayor is lobbying behind the scenes against Justin Pearson's reappointment. Nashville is telling him that if Justin is reappointed, Memphis won't receive funding to remodel FedEx Forum. Money is talking. Hashtag Tennessee 3. And to your point, Jeffrey, hashtag Tennessee 2. She put on there. Again, with all due respect. I just think that there has to be a distinction between those that were expelled and not. Well, I'll say this. It was egregious what happened last night expelling these guys. It's also egregious if they're going to use funding for Memphis as leverage in all of this. But, um, you know, I my gut tells me Tammy Sawyer put this out there. To, you know, she obviously put this out there to put some pressure on some people. And, you know, I... I I well, these are her guys, aren't they? I'm sure she. I mean, certainly it seems like she's aligned with them politically at the very least. Um, but obviously, we, we were like I the 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 word I got last week is that, <clears throat> and I wrote a column up at commercialpeel.com in advance of Redbirds opening night. You know, I was talking to Craig Unger, the president of 901FC and the Redbirds. Like he was under the impression that that money that Strickland has been trying to get from the state for the FedEx Forum remodel, the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium renovations, mm-hmm. potentially the new soccer stadium, hopefully repairs to, you know, uh, or a facelift, if you will, to AutoZone Park. Um, the word was they were going to find out if they were for sure getting that money by the end of this month. Now, Bill Lee, the governor, had put, I, be, I believe it was like a month ago, month or so ago, um, had his initial budget proposal. And in it, he earmarked 350, a $350 million grant to Memphis, but only used the phrases FedEx Forum and Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium in that grant. There was no mention of AutoZone Park or the soccer stadium. Craig Ugger and them, have the, the, especially his, obviously, contingent, have been lobbying in Nashville to get themselves included in that. Obviously, the mayor is in support of that. Um, and so they're under the impression that they're going to get word on that by the end of the month. Um, and obviously, Jim Strickland has worked very hard behind the scenes trying to secure this money. Um, but if they are, if, if, if this controversy in Nashville over gun control, really, that's what ultimately when it comes down, it comes down to that school shooting in Nashville, if that's being tied to like funding for Memphis, like all in all, it's like it, it like makes what was a discuss like a pretty nasty night in Nashville last night even more disgusting. Yeah, 
I guess though, do you my, believe it? Is the other thing. I mean, this yeah. is kind of the one thing. Is like, this like is this like something? You I mean, know, when you start call their bluff, when you start off with word on the street, mm-hmm. I don't know. That would come across. I think you also have to look at it, one of two things. If that if that is indeed true, mm-hmm. uh, are we just going to have to do this dance with the state the entire time? Where any yeah. any every like, if we, we just don't have to, bow to them, we, we don't just get have this to money. Kiss, I mean. Ultimately, like you're you're asking for three hundred fifty million dollars from, and like the house has to approve the budget. Like that, that's the well, bottom line. Wasn't who was the who was the third in the Tennessee three? Uh, Gloria Johnson. Isn't she in Nashville? Rep? She's Knoxville. Oh, Knoxville. Okay, she's Knoxville. I was like, well, are they going to take away funding for the for the football stadium? Yeah, I don't know, but she's Knoxville. Again, part of like politics is. If, if this is indeed the case, it's coming up with a solution if you're well, can, Strickland and whatnot. Yeah, because I don't know, like, I, if I'm Jim Strickland, I don't know if I want to be. I think you're 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 asking to be on the wrong side of history if you're not supporting Justin Pearson's here. Justin Pearson here. That's my that's my gut take on it. Like, not not necessarily supporting everything he did, but like supporting the fact that he got like. That expelling him was a terrible, terrible decision, like an anti-democratic decision by the House. Like my my gut tells me, if you're if you're going to politically align yourself against that, maybe I'm sure there's some people right now who support you, but the tale of time, if you will, like I would want to be on the like my gut feeling is the right side of history is supporting. Uh, okay, getting this guy back, this getting would, this guy back into the House because he was elected to be in the House. I guess this would be my argument. Is your job to support him from, let's be real, an optics perspective? Mm-hmm. Or is your job to look out for the best of Memphis? Is protecting him, in your mind, does that outweigh... I'm does, just, is that worth... Is protecting him worth risking this money? I also feel like this feels like an empty threat. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it's like I think you can get but, the best of both worlds here. Like but you that's call kind them of, bluff. That's kind of my point. Is that this all feels like poking your chest out, a of, bravado, a lot of posturing. Correct. Yeah, it would be a. It would be to me. Like, if, I will say this: really dirty I politics. Think, if like these things, I are think attached there's enough people another. that that can't risk losing uh, Fred Smith money. Well, that's that might be who needs to who needs to. Uh, this this just feels like political posturing to me, because this is kind of the whole. The most depressing thing about this entire thing is, we have now reached the day and age in politics where, you get elected, not to go and try and legislate and govern, but it's like you get elected to go score points with your base. Mm-hmm. Like no longer is. Good policy, the the principle. It's are my people going to be happy for me? It's like you you are now just officially in the business of getting elected and reelected. Yeah, well, it is another layer to this funding topic, if you will, because you know we still don't know exactly how the money, even if they got the three hundred fifty million, like how the money will be doled out. You know, obviously, I think we know the pecking order, if you will. Feels like it's Grizzlies one, Simmons Bank, Liberty Stadium two. Those are were the, weren't those the only two that were listed in the budget? Yes, and then 
secondary to that, it sounds like if I were to guess what's more likely to happen, the soccer stadium or the baseball stuff, I think it's the baseball stuff just because it's cheaper. I think it's going to be a lot cheaper, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, it does, you know, if you want, if you talk to Craig Unger and Jim Strickland, like they seem still, they haven't been told no on the soccer stadium. You know what I mean? Like they haven't been given a definite no. Um, and they seem to think there will be wor- a wording change in the new budget, in the budget that will mention using the money for the soccer stadium. But we'll see. Um, a lot of unanswered questions on the stadium front for uh, for Memphis. And uh, like I said, another layer coming out of the controversy at the state capitol over the past few days. Um, and so we'll, we'll see how this uh, how this develops. I don't know. Yeah, I just I don't know. I, Will we be talking about it coming out of the weekend? I don't know. Will this become more like more than word on the street coming out of the weekend, so to speak? Uh yeah. Uh, this feels like a bluff. And this feels like like poking your chest out. We'll show them. It's like I, this feels also a lot of things in politics are kind of already decided. Mhm. This feels like that's pretty far down the, the list. Like I'm sure if you're the mayor in his office like your worst nightmare is probably something at the eleventh hour happening. So I could understand where this is a concern. Well, I don't know what how the fact that but it's like you know, Jim well, Strickland's on his way out. I don't know how that factors into it either. Well, like, like but my it's not question, like he's going. He has to be reelected here. Yeah, no, no I, I'm with you. But my bigger issue is so because because two people exercise their right to protest. Mm-hmm. Your decision, like, to me, like, using that as a reason not to give money suggests that you made a bad decision in the first place. Because if you were going to give them money and and two guys go rogue, if you will, that's that's the that's the bottom line. It's like, well, then why did you agree to give the money in the first place? If something that flimsy yeah. can change your mind. Yeah, like, I thought this was beneficial for Memphis. Correct. You know, like, I didn't think it was... Uh... You know, well, and th- thus the state. Yeah. So um, I think you're right. I think it's this bluff city, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, right, real <laughs> real quick, um, and we'll talk about this more next hour, but are we going to be talking about Liv's first golf major? Uh, Brooks Kepka has a sizable lead. I know there's a bunch of guys still playing out on the course. So they had a, a brief weather delay. They held in place. They didn't send them all the way back in. Okay. So they're back out on the course for how long? Unclear, but Brooks fires seven under yesterday, follows it up with a 65. He currently has a four-shot lead over Sam Bennett, an amateur, who Mm, also, by the way, when you see it, you cannot unsee it. He looks like Dabo Swinney. And you like when you do this side-by-side, you can't unsee it. I will say Brooks feels like the most palatable of the live golf winner. You know, guys, him or Cam Smith. Feels like they're the two most palatable of the live golf guys at this point. Maybe DJ. Yeah, maybe. Because, like, you've always just acknowledged, like, DJ was always just going to yeah, be about DJ, the back. D- yeah, DJ's just going to But what was money. fascinating was after the round, Brooks spoke today, and we had mentioned this when we were talking about full swing earlier in the year. The thing that was interesting about Brooks's episode was – you very much got the sense a big part of going to live was I think he thought his best golf was behind him. Mm-hmm. Well, today he kind of acknowledged that. 
He said it would have been a different decision today if he would have if he would have been as healthy as he is now mm-hmm. versus then. I think it's I actually think Liv needs him to win this. I think yeah, he got, they need some. They need a kick in the pants. You with need legitimacy. some legitimacy because now it's like it has no buzz, no energy. Yeah, no, you're right. It'd be important. All right, when we come back, we'll talk to Blake Topmeyer. He's the SEC columnist for the USA Today Network. We'll get into some college football with him. Also, the list and more Grizzlies. You're listening to Giannato and Jeffrey on 92.9. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. NFM ESPN. Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network. Only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. There's no better time to hit the court for some exciting basketball action. Download the BetMGM app today and bet with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. must be 21 years or older and you must be in Tennessee. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Red Line. 1-800-889-9789. Blake Topmeyer covers the SEC. is the SEC columnist for the USA Today Sports Network. His podcast, SEC Football Unfiltered, available each and every week on Twitter. At B. Topmeyer. Blake, what, what topic do you want to turn into a column this week? <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, that your, your question last week of, of who's the best quarterback in the SEC really got me thinking, didn't it? it? It did, but I'll tell you the other thing that got me thinking is something else that you wrote about. Are you more intrigued by the quarterbacks or by the coordinators that are coming in? 
I think probably by the quarterbacks, but it's it's closer than usual. Um, and I think you guys know where I stand on the quarterback coordinator debate. Um, nine times out of ten, I think I think the quarterback has more impact than your coordinator. But with ten new coordinators, off, offensive coordinators in the SEC this year, I mean, there's no denying that's a, going to be a prevailing narrative for the season, particularly when you have them at schools like Alabama with Tommy Reese and and Bobby Petrino at Texas A&M, uh, and then Mike Bobo at Georgia. I mean, those those are three schools that are going to, um, you know, be big, big stories throughout the season. They all got new coordinators. Well, I mean, I also think because you know, I can already, I, I'm already envisioning Week Eight Georgia fans complaining about Mike Bobo seven and one Georgia Week Eight. We, oh, you think Week Four? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> complaining complaining about Mike Bobo. Mike Bobo's offense doesn't exactly hum. Well, I mean, he does have a good track record for developing quarterbacks, so I think that comes in handy, you know, when they're transitioning away from Stetson Bennett. But you're right, the last couple times we've seen him as an offensive coordinator um, at South Carolina and then at Auburn, it it was far from the glory days of offense uh, under Mark Richt at at Georgia when Bobo was running that for so many years. And, And the other thing I think on top of this is, I think I think Todd Monken might have even had a little bit of a step back this year, right? I mean, sure. you know, we we act like this is a rinse and repeat thing for Georgia. In some ways, yeah. I mean, they they've they've got more talent coming in. They're going to be one of the top five teams in the country again, uh, or certainly would be surprised if they're not. But I do think you know they're breaking in a couple new offensive tackles. You know, they don't have those tight ends. New quarterback. Um, I, I do think even for Todd Mockin, it, it would be a bit of an adjustment this year. Oh, even just from a simple perspective of whoever's playing quarterbacks, not going to have played football. You know, like at this level, like you just you lose experience and reps. I think the thing that's a little bit more interesting to me though is some of the schools that we're talking about. It's kind of a stylistic change. Like for instance, on your quarterback on your quarterback column, you mentioned KJ Jefferson. If KJ were coming back with Kendall Bryles, I think I might put him one, but I'm just not sure. You know, Dan Enos runs a very different style of offense than Kendall Bryles, and so I do think there's some some interesting marriages. I, I think out there, that's kind of what complicates it for me. Well, and yeah, that's a, a fair point with Arkansas, and then we can add Mississippi State to that sure. list, right? Like, I mean, Will Rogers would not be my number one, regardless. But I do have more hesitancy to put Will Rogers in the top couple spots uh, on on the quarterback pecking order because we know he can he can stuff the stat sheet in the air raid. Um, but you know, Mississippi State's transitioning to a new offense; they're moving away from the air raid under under Zach Arnett, new offensive coordinator Kevin Barbie. They, they want to be more explosive. They want to be more balanced. I get all that. Um, as as much as the air raid really gave them a clear cut identity under Mike Leach, and I I think you <clears throat> you got to think long and hard before moving away from that. You know the air raid didn't give them a lot of balance, and they didn't challenge his defenses very often downfield. So they want to do that more. I, I just have a little bit of hesitancy because we haven't seen Will Rogers have to do that. I'm not saying he can't, but it it does give you some pause. Well, I mean it's it goes beyond just Will Rogers at Mississippi State. I mean. His dad was his high school coach, and they ran the air raid in high school. Like this is right. literally like the. It, it's even. It's even more so. I think the other thing, though, that is interesting is we. You had the stat about 
you had the stat about the SEC first teamer, and you know there is, as you point out, there's a little bit of no duh. The first team quarterback typically right. is on a, on a successful team. It's like okay, I just did not realize it really dated all the way back to Jay Cutler. That's the last time someone didn't win ten games. It's the last time someone uh, did not have a winning win record. Yeah, but most of these most of these teams are winning ten games plus. There there is there was like one exception where Drew Locke was a first team All SEC quarterback in a year where Missouri was. They had a winning record, but they were just kind of okay. Um, but the overall winning percentage... Oh, was that Heupel? With Heupel? That was with Heupel. There yeah, you go. That was, that was with Heupel. Um, but, so, yeah, so since Jay Cutler was first-team All-SEC, in the 17 years since then, the overall winning percentage of those teams with first-team All-SEC quarterbacks, they won 85% of their games. Four of those teams won national championships. Uh, 15 of the 17 finished ranked in the top 25. So, yeah, it's, it's like you said. I mean, well, of course, right? You have a good quarterback, you're going to win a lot of games. But I really think it hammers home. Like, uh, if you have a great quarterback, first-team all-conference all quarterback, um, you're most likely going to be in contention for, if not the playoffs, at least a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, we saw that last year, right? Hendon Hooker, first-team all-SEC, and Tennessee has its best season in more than two decades. I mean, that's the type of impact a first team all conference quarterback can make it's you know and like i said in tennessee's case it's it's their, it was their best season since 2001 so it does make it a an interesting debate um you know when we're talking about who who the best quarterback is in the conference i don't know you can make the case for probably six or seven or eight guys but whoever it ends up being you can bet that that, that team is probably going to win you know nine ten plus games this year do i have to pick the best player or can i pick the best play because if it's if I only have to pick a player making one play, I think I want Milton. Do I want him to be the best quarterback for the length of the season? Obviously not. <laughs> no, right. And and you want to make sure he doesn't run out of bounds. Correct. Like in the twenty twenty one season, uh, if you need someone to chuck at sixty yards, yeah, yeah, take Milton for sure. This will be if Heupel turns him in. Like if he has like some awesome season, like he like can't you envision Joe Milton having like a Paxton Lynch type season? Not really, because Josh brought him in and. They were better when they went to Hooker. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, but another year, another, another year season. to mold. He's more seasoning. Yeah, another year to mold him. Um, it, it depends how it depends how much stock you put in the Orange Bowl. Like if you just if you just judge it off the Orange Bowl, I don't know that I think oh he's the next Hendon Hooker, but I think oh he's gonna be a really, really yeah nice competent yeah yeah. Um, it depends how much faith you put in that though, because the other other sample sizes we've seen of him have, haven't been as good and. I, what's interesting with all the, you know, with Hinton Hooker shooting up the draft boards, uh, you know, Mel Kuyper, I know, says still second-round pick, but a lot of the other guys, uh, the so-called draft experts, are saying he's, he's a first-round guy now, uh, and yet still he has sort of that system quarterback label attached to him, um, which some of that's fair question, right? We, we, it's still sort of early days with Josh I still, Heupel yeah, quarterback. I, well, I, don't, I think it even goes beyond Heupel. Guys that run the Bryles style offense, there's never yeah. been anyone in the NFL. Yeah, and I mean Matt Corral, uh, it's still early days for him, but he would be, you know, another example of a recent Bryles style quarterback because that was the offense they were running, um, you know, at Ole Miss with with Corral. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think you know that's why if Hendon Hooker goes on and thrives in the NFL, I think that's a real benefit for Tennessee. I mean, they're not struggling to recruit quarterbacks anyway. They got Nico on the roster, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. But you know that could be used against them a little bit on the trail, I think. Is if, if Anything if can be used starts, against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if Heupel starts to get this reputation of, of quote-unquote system quarterbacks, um, you don't necessarily want that attached to you. So, I mean, I think it'd be great for Tennessee if, if Hinton Hooker not only goes in the first round but then becomes an NFL starter. I right, want to get your thoughts on the big picture college sports issues. Um, it seems like it's this week it's the Pac-12 uh, and this TV deal that they can't get done. Um, it's now being reported they had a seat. The Pac-12 CEOs are set to meet next week, and they're already getting word out early. If you were thinking we were going to agree on a TV deal at this meeting, you are sorely mistaken, sir. I think it was the timeline has been pushed back. I think the term that was used was overly optimistic. Mm. Yes, uh, but so, so later this spring or summer, uh, we're in no rush. Here. Smart to keep it vague. Yeah, we're in no rush here. Um, where are you at on this, and from a conference realignment perspective? Because I think people here in Memphis, Blake, are in, you know obviously because we're we're on the outside sure. looking in right now, and any development, you know, you're, you're sniffing around. Is yeah, yeah. Memphis involved here? What's, what's going on here? Could Mem- this, what Memphis could this mean for needs, Memphis? Memphis needs chaos. Yeah. Um, what do you make of what's going on in the Pac-12? Yeah, I guess I probably maybe lean toward it being able to hang on, but I don't say that with a ton of conviction. And I, I just think it would only take one or two dominoes to fall, I think, to send a lot of people into scramble mode. Because um, they, they don't have that many linchpin members left. Uh, and, and, and so I think if, if the dominoes start to topple, uh, we know the we know the Big Twelve could be interested in in a raid, um, and then it becomes kind of a, a feast for scraps. I guess I'm I lean toward them staying together, but you know as as oftentimes happens with these conference realignments, like they kind of come as sneak attacks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, certainly when the when the SEC's done it, uh, and even to an extent, you know, Southern Cal and UCLA. With the Big Ten, ACC so. back in the day, theirs were pretty. You know, the Virginia Tech edition was very loud because the government got like the legislature That's got true. involved. In, in, in but Florida like State, Florida State, you knew they were they were making a move somewhere. But, but like yeah, when they added like Syracuse and Pitt and like you know that stuff happened real suddenly. Well, and even Maryland to the Big Ten was quiet. Yeah, yeah, Maryland to the Big Ten was real out of nowhere as well. The recent, you're right, but the recent ones. Over the last decade or so, it feels like have all been sneak attacks. Yeah, and 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 I don't. We've talked about this before. I don't put much stock in any of these these uh, blood brother bonds or statements of loyalty and unity. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the types of worthless statements you put out just in case you do stay together, just in case you can, um, you know, take a take a good TV deal uh, to the finish line or a salvageable TV deal to the finish line. It doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense to start leaking out. Um, you know, rumors of discontent, uh, you do that behind, behind closed doors, behind the scenes. So, you know, all these statements that, that we've seen or comments uh, of reassurance, you know, we've, we've had a couple school officials go on with, with, with radio stations, I believe, out west and say, like, eh, everything's fine here. Nobody else is, is fleeing. That doesn't mean anything, you know. And, and, and like I said, I think uh, if a couple dominoes fell, the whole thing would tumble. Um, I... I do think, you know, if you're the, the four corner schools there, you probably don't want to slip off to the Big 12 too fast until you see maybe what a TV deal might look like in the Pac-12 and, and kind of give it, give it a last go here. Well, do you think, I'm curious, because let's, let's leave the ACC out of this for now because it feels like 
as long as they have that grant of rights agreement, they're probably going to stick together. Or until somebody until someone figures out how to beat it. How to beat it. Which like, and at this point no one has. So it feels like a lot of the, you know, the changes that could be coming will in some form or fashion impact the Big Twelve and Pac twelve. Whether it's, you know, the Big Ten going grabbing someone else from the Pac twelve or the Big Twelve going after the Pac twelve or maybe maybe the Pac twelve going after the Big Twelve. But I I'm curious, do you see in the next in your mind, in the next five years, let's say, do you think realignment will be the type of realignment where someone else gets pulled up, if you will, like Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF just did? Or do you think it's just going to be shuffling the deck of cards we already have in the Power Five? I think there might be one or two pulled up. Um, you know, if you, if you got kind of a strange number there and and you need to pull up, then then maybe. I don't know that we're going to see, you know, the, the pull-up from the Big 12 this last round, adding the four members, they needed numbers. They needed bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, you know, they couldn't they couldn't topple the Pac-12 tower. So, you know, they, they pulled up the best they could find. I don't know, you know, as these Power 5 conferences um, get bigger, you know, if the Big 12 were to get bigger, if the Pac-12 were to crumble – then you don't necessarily just need more bodies at that point. You need, you need value. Um, and, and so I think as these, these power, power conferences kind of shift toward super leagues of, of 14, 16 plus teams, it's not so much just a body grab at that point. Um, so I think, you know, from Memphis's standpoint, that makes it awfully disappointing that they didn't get into the big 12 this last round. Uh, when, when the big 12 was more so in like group of five grab mode, um, I, I don't know that we're going to see as much of that as the power consolidates into fewer conferences, unless like the PAC 12 were to survive in some sort of weakened state, but was trying to, you know, do what the big 12 did a couple of years ago of just grab the best available bodies to survive. Um, if it, if it's able to survive, you know, with, with a few, if, if, if the PAC 12, as we know, it crumbles, but it's able to, to retain maybe about half its members and and survive in some sort of reduced and reconfigured form, then then that could be good for the group of five ranks, I, I think, and, and it could be sort of open entry. Do you think adding bodies for survival, do you think it's survival or do you think it's a stay of execution? Uh, well, I think in the Big 12's case, it's probably survival. You know, I don't, or, or for at least a while. I mean, how long are we talking, right? 20 years from now, who knows if the Big 12 will still be around? Who knows if any of this will look like it does yeah, now? Yeah, who even knows, like, what the format is? <laughs> right. But I do think, um, you know, I do think for the Big 12, I think I think they're, they're in survival. I, I don't think it was necessarily a stay of execution because I think they got – they didn't replace Oklahoma and Texas with equitable members. There, there weren't anybody equitable out there. But I think they did a pretty good job of, of snagging the best available and bringing some value to the table. I mean, BYU is a big brand. I, I think that was, that was a pretty nice get for them. We don't know the future of UCF. I mean, that's an alumni base that's obviously. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.